Welcome to the Propane Fitness Podcast. Again, I'm pretty nervous because we are speaking to the second woman we have ever spoken to. In fact, Johnny was so nervous that he couldn't even make it onto the podcast. He was so traumatized after speaking to Sherry Miles that it's just me remaining. So we're here with Mel Wall. Melissa, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Yusuf. How are you? Very good. Yeah, I'm, uh, as I say, heart's up in my chest now. I'm struggling at the minute, but hopefully we'll hold it together. So um, Melissa is the, is the current M2 champion um, of uh, the 72 kilo equipped category. She's an IPF classic world bronze medalist in the deadlift and she's competed in the Commonwealth Championships in Canada. So she's currently representing Scotland at uh, this year's Commonwealth Games in South Africa as an equipped lifter and European Championships in uh, Czech Republic as well. Mel also works as a PT and she's competed previously in Strongman as well. Mel, can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, and your background? Yes, thank you. Yusuf, you've covered that pretty well. Um, I, I work as a PT at the moment um, and you've given a nice roundup of my, my background and my achievements in powerlifting so far. Um, I live in the Highlands of Scotland um, um, with my husband. Um, our children are away from home now, so it gives me plenty of time to train, um, which is always a bit of a luxury, isn't it? Pretty so, good. Yeah, yeah. Life is busy, but it's it's fantastic. I get to do what I love every day, um, and you know you can't ask for more than that. Really. That is awesome. Um, so before we start, would you rather be able to run at thirty miles an hour or fly at five miles an hour? <laughs> Definitely fly. <laughs> Even at five, there's a significant speed limit. <laughs> that's okay is that a trick question <laughs> no <laughs> fine simple answer so yeah so um you used to be a distance runner and cyclist if if i um have read that correctly so what motivated you to make that transition into strength sports yeah you know i um i ran for a long time and did lots of different challenges including triathlons and half marathons um and you know i was really quite obsessed with running at that time and really really enjoyed it um, but I kept getting little niggles in my Achilles um, tendon and I'd always had an interest in, in gym and, and weight training um, and, you know, I just kind of tested that a little bit more. So it was a New Year's resolution a few years ago where I decided I wanted to kind of expand that a little bit and learn how to do um, a chin-up. Um, so that's sort of what led me into to powerlifting um, and away from running so the kind of more I got into the weights and strength side of it the more running just didn't seem to work with that so well so it kind of faded off it's um, interesting it seems to be um, a common pattern that you see with some of the high level IPF competitors is they've come from a different sporting background and often a, a very different one uh, Paul Cooper is another example of that I think so um, do you think there's something to do with athlete's mindset or something about the ability to sustain repeated uh repeated pain with with the running and cycling that maybe predisposes people to success in lifting yeah i think i think certainly for uh, from an endurance side of it um and also wanting to take part in races and always pushing it you know i started out barely being able to run a mile um a good few years ago and then that kind of quickly led into my first then my first ever triathlon so you know again it's that thing that once you're kind of in it it's it's, it's progressive 
Um, and, and I love that. I love taking things to the next level. So parallels there with powerlifting, but obviously, as you see, a very, very different sport um, in, in many ways. Um, but again, yeah, that, that kind of mentality of having to keep going um, when things feel a bit tough, you know, as in a long run or, or during a race. Fair enough, is the kind of the mindset element, and I suppose also just the cardiovascular conditioning often seems to be a, a big limiting factor in a lot of lifters, and you know that's the thing stopping them hitting the volume that they need to. And I imagine that's not so much of a problem with uh, with the endurance background. Well, <laughs> that was the case when I first started here, but obviously I'm I'm, I'm doing very very little cardio these days, um, so you know I, I I feel it. I definitely feel the difference. Um, I'm not quite as conditioned as I probably was in terms of CV stuff back then, but certainly in terms of my my strength, obviously my mindset is, is very good. But you know, it's, I suppose it's like most powerlifters, we just feel we should probably do a little bit more cardio, but fitting it in and having the energy to do it, especially as a masters lifter on the days that I'm supposed to be resting, is quite hard. That's true. There's always the, the stereotype of like the. 130 kilo um, guy coming out of McDonald's and doing a set of three for squats and then sitting down for half an hour. But um, so, do you not do any of the um, lifting? Sorry, any of the running or cycling anymore? Sadly, I had to give it up completely. And um, you know, living where I live in the Highlands of Scotland, it's just the, the most per- perfect place for running, and I just don't get to do that anymore. But I, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, I found the sport that seems to be more in tune with how I work. You know, I spent a lot of time on endurance running and actually I think I was probably more fast twitch because I've always loved sprinting. I always found endurance, you know, longer runs quite difficult. Um, so I think I'm probably more suited to, you know, that that, that quick fast twitch movement um, than I ever was to endurance running, um, which probably explains why I'm better than, at this than I was at that and why I would never have competed in running. Of I any see. So I guess yeah. So it's pretty hard if you're not if you your makeup isn't really designed for it, but still managed to to do it. Speaking of the Highlands as well, like not quite the same. But I used to live in Edinburgh for five years, and uh, I lived next to Arthur's Seat. And as you said, it perfectly lends itself to just go out for a morning walk or a, or a jog if you're uh, that way inclined. But absolutely beautiful, and it's a shame to to miss out on being outdoors and stuck in a in a gym lifting something repeatedly. But that's the sport we chose so there we go um so yeah highlands as well um you competed in the highland games and highland's strongest woman but that was that was before the powerlifting is that right i'm gonna have to cough (laughs) (laughs) that's all right (coughs) no i did (laughs) i ate some of this just before (coughs) i just caught the back of my throat i'm so sorry She's okay, guys. <laughs> and next door cat's looking at me. <laughs> Please don't die on the podcast. That would make a terrible episode. Only be seven minutes long as well. Okay. <laughs> I'm back in the room. <laughs> She's okay. Okay. Okay, Highland's Strongest Woman. Yeah, Highland's Strongest Woman. So that was that before the powerlifting? It was, yeah. Um, after I sought out my coach, who was going to help me learn to do this this chin up way back, um, he put on this um, uh, first competition of Highland Strongest Women in Inverness. And of course, he was coaching me at the time and encouraged myself and a few of the other women at the gym to take part. Um, so we, we did the training for that. Um, 
And at the same time, I decided that I might do my first powerlifting competition. So I was actually training both things at the same time, which was actually quite difficult. And I quickly realised that I probably would have to make a choice. I was never going to be a you know, competitive and strong woman, mainly because of my age and my size, you know. Um, but really enjoyed the training. And um, the first time I competed in strong women, that kind of sparked interest in a competitive sport and in a competitive strength sport. So um, that was more a kind of fun element. I didn't place or anything like that. But it certainly made me realise I had to choose, and then my choice was going to be powerlifting because that's where more of, more of my training was going. Right, and it's something that we often talk about as kind of the weekly amount of recovery capacity that you have being a bit like a, a certain amount of currency, and that it's very easy to to spend it all, especially with something like powerlifting training. And with with age, or if you're a lightweight lifter, again, it's lower and lower. And so um, to try and do two pretty intense and high volume activities such as highland games and lifting and or cycling and running as well then it certainly um pulls you in several directions so i suppose like the logical progression then was for you to then move into purist powerlifting absolutely yeah, yeah and that was a choice i made you know and i spoke to my coach at the time and i was certainly still running at that time and he said you know you're probably going to have to choose what what you want to do you know uh, and commit to one so, you know, that was it when I went out the window, powerlifting was in, the rest is history. Do you miss it or are you glad to have finally ditched it? Yeah, no, no, it's nice. It's nice not to have to go out in all weathers. That's the beauty of the gym. You know, it's always, it's always dry in there, um, which can be said for the Highlands of Scotland. But yeah, of course, I, I do miss the movement. You know, I, I miss being outside in nature, but, you know, I would never trade it for all. Of course I wouldn't. Cool. So, I mean, you've competed at some pretty high levels with uh, with powerlifting as well. What's it like being at the kind of world level at such a short after such a short time of of training in that sport? You know, it was it was so exciting. You know, I, I was a bit like a rabbit in the headlights. Fortunately, I had done um, my first international was Commonwealth in Vancouver in 2015. So um, I'd kind of learned the ropes a little bit there, but to actually be selected for IPF Worlds in 2016 was just incredible. Um, and I learned a lot, I think. I learned a lot about the sort of pace of an international competition. I learned about, you know, how the coaches work, how competitive it actually is, you know, how these eyes are on the screens constantly checking out your competitors. Um, and it's, it, it was just fascinating to watch. I mean, of course, I was in comp preparation mode and, and warm-up mode, but, you, you, you know, there's just so much going on, you know, and it was, it was a fantastic experience. Yeah, Johnny said it was surreal, like turning up and you've got like Lane Norton eating a sandwich and Johnny Candito like sat down there and all of the kind of the big names. And then you, you step up onto the squat platform and the camera just swoops in from the sky, you know, the um, the skyline thing. And he was like, it was just quite off putting the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I was unfortunate. I was on the platform that wasn't being um, filmed or or commentated on. Oh, no. So I was really sad about that, but you know there was some good live feeds from it, so that was nice. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's just it's just a, the chance. That, Heartbreaking. You know, yeah. <laughs> so, what have, what is your, what are your PB lifts in competition? Oh, do you have to ask that question? Lifetime <laughs> best people. <laughs> it's what everyone's dying to hear. Wait, no, my lifts are poverty. <laughs> um, okay, are we talking equipped here? 
Yeah, why not? Let's let's go for the. Uh... Okay, so we're equipped. Okay, so do you want my excuses first? <laughs> yeah, let's go for excuses and then then lifts. Okay, excuses. So not not long after my back injury, I competed in the GB um, equipped uh, champs. So um, very tentatively, still getting used to kit and everything. Um, I managed to squat ninety, bench press sixty, and deadlift deadlifted one thirty, which was below. Obviously, my, my number, my deadlift number for um, raw powerlifting, but coming back very quickly after injury. Very low numbers for equipped. I'm going to improve on them. <laughs> That's my mission. Um, you know, I'm a bit... Sherry will admit this as well. Sherry Miles, the wonderful Sherry Miles. We're actually not the best shape for squatting. We have these huge long limbs, long legs, long arms. Um, Although Sherry has done incredibly well and, and she's squatting a, a ton of weight, um, I'm finding it really difficult. Squats definitely are such a weak lift for me, but it's one that, you know, I've accepted that I'm going to have to work really hard at over the next couple of years to just try and get that up. Um, so, you know, there's, there's lots of room for improvement. If Johnny was here, he'd be um, singing the same tune, yeah. I mean, every Instagram post that he puts up of, of squatting is just always like, how long are your legs? Why are your legs so long? And uh, yeah, it, it does make for the movement being pretty awkward. Yeah, yeah. If it makes you feel any better, my deadlift is about 60 kilos right now as well. Back injury is an absolute bastard. So oh, right. yeah, okay. not so good. Um, so did you ever, how long did it take you to achieve the chin up when uh, when you first set out to do it? Oh God, it took us months um, because, you know, we had to learn to just strengthen this whole upper body. I was typically the very, very skinny runner that just cardioed herself to death. So there wasn't much muscle going on. So it was really about, you know, learning to sort of recondition me in another way and just to make me stronger. So, you know, I achieved it and now I wouldn't think twice of going and doing a couple of pull-ups, you know. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it sparked something really, really special for me. So See, that is cool because, yeah, the, the chin-up's kind of the... The holy grail of um of when when someone starts training and i think to be able to to nail it down is is just a huge kind of initial milestone success isn't it Absolutely. yeah so what does your typical training look like now like what would a week look like for you yeah um so first of my coach gavin does all my programming um and we work on a three day a week so monday wednesday friday um, and I'll train from probably nine in the morning till about two. So we're talking quite a long, you know, condensed session. Um, obviously, since I've taken up equipped, things have kind of mixed up a little bit. Um, I don't know if you've ever tried any equipped lifting, but it's no, I've like slingshot is about it. Yeah, it's it's very um, intense, you know, because it's you know the suit and the, the restrictions and everything that you're under. So. Um, you know, my training would be, I'd probably squat three times a week, deadlift once or some sort of deadlift assistance, um, and then some bench two or three times a week with bench assistance in there and all the other assistance stuff just to strengthen the legs, you know, um, and then any upper body assistance that we need to do as well. So it's, it's, it's mixed up, but um, it's been quite challenging getting used to the equipped kit, you know, so getting the suit on, getting the bench shirt on, you know, and just kind of... Looks like getting... such a faff on as well, just, like, yes. actually putting on the shirt in the first place. Yes. It takes about five minutes, and you're exhausted by the time you get the shirt on. Just walking around like this. Like, two 
concerns, you know, it's like, but it's, it's, it's been really interesting, I've enjoyed the challenge of it, um, but um, yeah, certainly, so we, we, we work across this three days a week, um, with, you know, there's quite a nice rest day in between each of those, um, and then I'll see my own clients on those days as well, so I'm kind of active rest, you know, because I'm PTing and resting. Right, I see, so you'll train most of the competition lifts three times a week then? Pretty much, uh, yeah. yeah, it's the thing I've I've heard most commonly about um, equipped lifting is just the the stress on your connective tissues and that um, there's a guy called Ali Inglis. He's in um, Scotland as well. I think he's well, he's not he won't be sub junior anymore. He won't be junior rather. But yeah, um, I think he's squatted three five five or maybe slightly more in in um, in a suit. And he says the limiting factor is always just the pressure in your head rather than the actual squat, which sounds horrendous to me it is it's um i get quite lightheaded quite a lot so i'm trying to control that pressure a little bit because yeah that's that's absolutely the worst bit of it i think <laughs> is the intensity of even just getting yourself down into your squat before you can think about coming back up you know scary stuff so we've covered a bit about your background melissa and um some of your, your training what what the, so we want to get into some of the juicy stuff like what what are the main challenges that you say you would face as a master's lifter yeah I, I thought about this a lot actually I analyze this quite a bit and um, you know there's no getting away from it that you know at 50 years of age and particularly a 50 year old taking up equipped powerlifting you do get pretty knackered you know and I, I train with girls who are around their 30s and you know they can probably still you know leave the gym after the training go for a night out or whatever I'm usually straight home in the bath and on the couch for the rest of the night. So, you know, I think recovery probably does take a little bit longer. Um, and also, I think progression is affected. I would say, um, for me personally, I think I'm on sort of diminishing returns with with some of the stuff that I do. You know, I'm, I'm working against, you know, hormonal changes in my body as well as, you know, just being 50 and how your body just starts to, I hate to use the word, deteriorate. But things are changing. You know, there's no getting away from it. Um, so my strategy for coping with that is just, you know, resting as much as I can, drinking tons of water, eating well, you know, and, and just just trying not to mentally beat myself up that, you know, I'm probably not dealing with this probably as well as someone 20 years younger than we would, you know, and that's just not getting away from it. That's what master's lifting is. We do. Um, so this is probably going to sound really facetious considering I'm 27, but even between even between now and say 18 years old there's a huge difference in yeah the ability to just hammer it and do stupid stuff in training doing you know gymnastics and olympic lifting and stuff together and then trying to go out and and you know being able to just wake up the next day and be fine and now i'm realizing that actually um these little niggles can very quickly spin out of control if if you don't and you know i'm still young in the scheme of things but it's something that it's interesting to see that you've got this big focus on recovery and, you know, making sure that you're getting the rest and the food in rather than trying to just hammer it and be a dick with the training. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I've, I've learned that. I mean, even the changes in the last couple of years, when I first started training, I probably would do silly things like that and not rest enough. Um, and I've had a couple of injuries along the way, so I've, I'm kind of learning from that. Um, you know, it's not the be-all and end-all to make every single lift in the gym if i'm tired 
and if my form is so bad that I'm, I'm risking, you know, hurting myself. Um, I've learned that a lot in the last, well, since my back injury in November last year. Um, there's so, only so much I can expect from this 50-year-old body. How do you manage to stop that voice in your head then when, when you, you, you know, it's saying like, look, you just need to hit the, the volume and whatever, but your body's actually giving you the signs that it's maybe not a good idea? Yeah. No, I, I mean, it's is, it is, it is listening to it now. Whereas before I go, no, no, it's on the programme, I have to meet these numbers, whereas now I'm like, do you know what, you're really tired, you're going to hurt yourself, so, you know, call it quits there, um, and that number will be there for another day. So, I'm, you know, I'm learning. And that's wise, and then in the long run, you know, the slow, consistent progress is much better than a massive step back from an injury, so, um, yeah, pays off. Yeah. So, you said you had a back injury as well, and you weren't able to, to train or compete for a few months. Yeah, um, again, that's exactly what I was just saying to you there last November, just before I was about to compete in the Scottish Masters. Um, I was doing my final deadlifts, um, my opening deadlifts, and um, it was one of those days, you know, where you just get feel a bit heavy and a bit tired, and um, I went to pool, and the, the, it just wasn't going to move off the floor. It was literally one of those days where the deadlift was stuck to the floor. Um, so I got kind of annoyed, and I went back and I tried it again, and it wasn't moving. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to grip and rip it. And as soon as I did it, I felt, you know, that my lower left side of my back just pull away. Um, didn't know what it was um, and just walked away. And I, I struggled actually to to even kind of take the bar apart and and put things away. Um, but it's interesting, is that when you get a sort of injury like that, there's that stage of denial. You know, I thought, no, this is okay. I'll still be competing next week. It's nothing. I can deal with this. Um, and actually, I was in a lot of pain that week, and I went along to the competition and I started to warm up because I was still in that stage of denial that I'm not that badly injured. And my coach was with me that day, and I, I think I started warming up to the squat, and I think I put 30 or 40 kg on the bar. And I just had so much pain, and I said no. You know, it, it took me to warm up. At that competition. And you still turned up and everything, and yeah. I weighed in, did all the usual, um, didn't sleep the night before as we do before <laughs> comps. Um, so it was, you know, I've, I've learned a lot from that, um, but it, it took a while to, to recover from that. It's the sense of, like, I've put in so much work, like, it's probably fine, I'm just going to carry on. And I've, yeah, I've had exactly the same experience where you think, like, okay, it's not moving right, I'm just going to go balls out and just grip and rip. And then even if you make the rep, but you pull something, you think, well, what was the point in that? Like, I've just set myself back several weeks now, if if not longer. Yeah, yeah, I reckon I've probably lost about four months out of it. At least four months. But, you know, that's that was something I learned that day. I won't do that again. Yeah, good lesson. <laughs> so, did you do anything specific to rehab your back and get back onto the lifting platform? Yeah, you know, I, I did, um, usually I got to some physio, I got um, got it diagnosed as, as being my SI, um, and did some physio, did all the usual stuff, rested for a couple of weeks, um, and then I got back into the gym, and, you know, I was literally just learning to try and squat the bar to a box, I was, um, you know, just being so careful with everything, you know, and... It's difficult when, when you're in a regime of training and suddenly that's not there anymore. It's really, really hard. You know, you just want to be there doing something. So, 
Um, I would go and I would literally do bicep curls and I would have my belt on, my SBD belt, because I felt like, well, that's, that's going to stabilize me and remind me that, you know, I shouldn't be moving around too much. Mm. So I did that, but, you know, it's a mindset, isn't it? You know, I just, I just wanted to keep going, doing something. So I managed to bench, so I had some blocks under my feet. I made sure I didn't arch, you know, I'm, I was benching and I thought, well, you know, my bench is going to fly now. Can't use my legs or my lower back, but my bench will fly. <laughs> um, it didn't. But <laughs> um, so you know we did that and then gradually uh, we kind of got to deadlifting and I thought it might be quite useful for me to start to learn sumo deadlift because that way it was taking some of the strain out of the lower back um, and I was getting literally five kilos on the bar uh, sorry deadlifting five kilos on the bar um, and just gradually progressed so it's a very very slow progression but you know it it happened, you know, and I took care of my back, and I'll never not take care of my back now. It's, it's a, a lesson learned, as, as, as you know yourself. Cool, yeah. So so working things around injury, adjusting your training around that, around, um, around age, around changing sports, transitioning from cycling to lifting, you've picked up a lot of lessons on the way. How, how has that impacted your, your personal training? On what my you own? deliver to the clients? Um... You know, it's so funny. I'm so mindful of their backs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the same. I'm just so, so strict about... You just don't you want know. anyone to go through the same thing Absolutely. now. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, being lifters, we think we've got fairly strong backs and strong, you know, cores. But, um, yeah, so um, it was... It, I didn't obviously take any time off work. So um, some clients were very understanding and helping me pick things up, you know, and that, you know, I, I didn't want to be picking up certain things, um, certain weights that might damage my back again. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it was fine. I, was, I managed to work, you know, and being self-employed, that's really important as well. So it's another good reason not to get injured, isn't it? That's true. <clears throat> so do you prefer to work with any specific demographic? Um, do you know, when I first qualified as a personal trainer, I thought all I want to do is powerlift. I want to teach all my clients powerlifting. Um, and... That was fine for a while, but um, actually weight management clients are much more rewarding in many ways, mm. or folk that you can help change their lifestyle slightly and make their lives a little bit better, that's actually much more rewarding. Um, so that's my powerlifting clients have slightly diminished, not because I've decided not to, but you know, I've, it's, I just enjoy the, the, the lifestyle change for a lot of folk more these days. I think we're, we're the same, yeah, because the especially if they are adherent to the program, there's just this huge cascade of effect on the rest of their life, on their mindset, on their self-perception and their job and relationships and everything that's really rewarding to see someone be able to make that change in themselves. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Cool. So speaking of... Because um, you've, you've been gaining a bit of publicity recently and uh, especially as a Masters athlete, getting sponsorship is, is pretty rare. How has that changed your um, your powerlifting career, I suppose? Yeah, um, it's, it's been really nice, actually, obviously. Um, the interest, and I think it is that, you know, I am an older woman in the sport. Um, powerlifting is becoming more popular. Um, and also, I'm a certain shape and a certain size, and I look a certain way. So a lot of people find that quite interesting, that this idea of what a powerlifter should be, be like or look like isn't what what I am now. We know from powerlifting world that we're we're 
the demographic's huge, you know. Um, you know, you've got some teeny little girls, and you've got some bigger girls, and, you know, everyone's just doing their best with it. Um, so, you know, the, it's been it's been nice to have that interest, um, and it's certainly highlighting the sport, and it's highlighting, more importantly, the sport for women. Um, and I love the idea that, you know, I get quite a few messages from even younger women, uh, much younger women, you know, teenagers, 20, saying that they feel really inspired by me, and I think that's that's fantastic. You know, to me, that's a, that's a huge reward from it. Um, and, you know, if I inspire anyone, that's really special. Um, as you say, but sponsorship, um, obviously the, the PR helps with sponsorship as well. Uh, I think it's really tough for masters to get sponsorship. You know, we're, we're not the, the pretty young things of powerlifting. Um, so it's been quite difficult as a masters lifter to get sponsorship, but, you know, eternally grateful for the people that have come forward locally. And, and provided, you know, little bits that they can, because we're talking small businesses here, you know, that, that are investing in a local athlete, which is fantastic. Um, but of course, as, as we know, when we're traveling and competing in different countries all over the world, it's, it's a very, very expensive hobby. And that's the key word, it's a hobby. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's, that's awesome to hear that it's had such, um, that, that it's, you know, you've had such a good impact on, on the people that are messaging you. And um, incidentally, we spoke to Beans from This Is Female Powerlifting a few weeks ago, um, which makes me realise actually you are the, the third woman we've spoken to, not the second, so... <laughs> oh, God. Um, but, yeah, so she was she was talking exactly what you were saying, saying that powerlifting, especially from the sponsorship marketing supplements perspective, is very sexualized and doesn't portray the same image as the, the reality of, uh, of powerlifting. Have you ever got any negative attention online? Because I realise that when you're in the public sphere, you know, people behind keyboards can just, um, they feel pretty invincible when they're anonymous. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's the form police are the worst people. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I know very few people that have perfect form um, in all of their disciplines. Um, we're all working against our own biomechanics, our own limiting factors. Um, and I have had, you know, some messages online that have said, you know, oh, she's going to break her back or her knees are coming in during a, a squat or whatever. Um, and I think that quite, that's quite challenging, you know, because we're, we're not perfect. Um, I do my best. My coach does his best to, to, to train me in a way that I maybe don't do these things. But at the end of the day, I have to work with what I've got. Now, um, there's different ways of dealing with that. I, I personally feel that if someone has a really strong opinion about how I lift, then message me privately. Hmm. You know, actually, don't message me at all because I'm not interested. <laughs> Anything I'm trying to resolve is between me and my coach. <laughs> you know, yeah, that, for sure. If your coach uh, isn't picking up on something like that, then... Exactly. Know. We know what my issues are. We are trying to address those issues. And that's why, you know, I'm going to spend a lot of time over the next few years working on it. So the interesting trend I've noticed every time with the form police is that they've always got shit lifts. Like they've always got worse lifts than whoever they're criticizing uh, or no proof of any lifts at all online. And I've, well, that's, that's the one when you go and check, do the lift. Mm. Like, yeah, they, they may not even lift and it. And then you think like, this is clearly just coming from a place of insecurity or jealousy, especially if they see um, a woman who is older than them and they, and they, and is lifting more than them. And they're thinking, well, 
I've got to bring her down a notch because that makes me feel uncomfortable. That's really interesting you should say that, Yusuf, because I would say that the majority of folk that have done that to me have been men um, in their 30s when I've had a wee stop at their Facebook profiles or their Insta profiles. What a surprise, yeah. <laughs> It's really interesting to think. Got nothing better to do than to um, troll people's Instagrams. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So you 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 were um, featured pretty pretty prominently, um, and you were in the women's uh, prominent women's magazine last year, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. The women magazine. Yeah. What What was the uh, What was the title of that? Um, oh, cracky! I can't remember. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't know, it's in amongst all my press cuttings, but um, I really can't remember. <laughs> we'll have to uh, put a link to it in the show notes. Um, so yeah, just, just to wrap things up then, Mel, what would you say to your younger self, um, who's, you said your main, fit, main focus was on cardio, would you have any advice to, um, to say to the uh, small Mel? Yeah, I, I would say, do you know what, Mel? Step away from the treadmill and all of the cardio and throw some weight training in there, you know. Um, I just wish I'd done it sooner um, for many reasons, but, um, you know, I was on that, that that cardio treadmill of just always wanting to be thinner. I never, I actually was quite skinny. When I look back, I was very skinny. But it never, I never, I don't know what look I was looking for, but cardio wasn't giving me that look. And I think it's a mistake that so many women make. And we've heard of, you know, skinny fat, um, mm term but um we see so much but women have an idea of how they want to look and i did as well um and actually i think what they're really looking for are, is you know what women who weight train look like you know it's it's that toned look um so i probably would say you know stop doing that and do a bit more of that um, so i suppose like a big barrier to doing that is maybe that it feels like an impenetrable world um is there anything that you anything you'd say to someone who you know wants to get started in it but maybe but perhaps feels intimidated going into a, a gym or starting training with barbells yeah absolutely i think you know just just research you know educate yourself um you know to me if, if you if you see uh, an image of, of of how you if we're talking look here or how you want to be well have a wee look and research what that person's doing to look like that an honest research, so not some Instagram model who's pretending that she's squatting lots, but she's doing lots of other different exercises. Mm. Just educate yourself, you know, seek advice, um, you know, get in touch with a personal trainer, someone that might know, um, just get that advice and, and get some sort of program, um, you know, just really just do your homework, you know, on it. Um, and, and don't be intimidated, you know, if you really want something, don't, don't, you know, let those sort of barriers get in your way, you know, um, I train at a gym that's it's full of massive guys, you know, who are lifting loads of weight, and when I first started training, I was probably one of the very few women that were there, um, and yeah, it can be scary, but at the end of the day, you're there doing your thing, and they're not noticing what you're doing, and you can forget what they're doing, you know, just, just do your thing, you know, do your thing. Just do your thing. Wise words. <laughs> cool. So, anything, any uh, final thoughts, Mel? Any final thoughts? All my thoughts at the moment are just about the next four weeks training. Yeah, uh, Getting to check in one piece, not getting injured, and ho hopefully hitting that European platform and, and not making a show of myself, and, and actually, um, and, and doing pretty well, I hope. So, 
Um, that's where all my energies are focused at the moment. Yeah, fingers crossed. Well, looking forward to seeing your performance for that in uh, in four weeks' time. Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. So that is Mel Wall. Um, check out the show notes on propanefitness.com for any of the resources or references that we mentioned here. Thanks very much, Mel. Great to chat, and we'll speak to you all next week. Thanks, Yusuf. Thank you.